The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Welcome to the Influencer's Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools, and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion, and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. All right, welcome back to the Influencer's Edge. Today, we have a guest coming all the way from jolly old England, Bruce King. Bruce, how is the, are you in London? What city are you in, sir? I'm just outside London, yes. Call it London. Now, I don't know when this will be broadcast or when you, the viewers or listeners, will see it. But how's the weather there in old Blighty? (laughs) I love England. Well, we've had... We've had some absolutely horrendous heat waves. Yeah. I've been told by the weather forecasters who very rarely get it right. Um, I mean, I've got family in New York. And when I'm staying in New York, the weather forecast there is absolutely bang on. If they say it's going to rain at five <laughs> past three, it rains at five past three. Here, I think they're guessing most of the time. All right, let's dive into your biography. Uh, transparently, it's so extensive because you're so accomplished. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. We don't have time to dive into all of it because you have so many interesting things to say. So Bruce King is a UK, if you haven't guessed it by his accent, is UK-based and recognized internationally as a leading sales, marketing, and personal growth strategist. You're also a best-selling author, and you've addressed audiences and coach companies and sales teams and their managers in 23 countries, 23 countries. I don't, uh, uh, speaking to you as someone in the sixties, I wouldn't have the energy to do that. We'll go into that. You're a highly sought after. You're a highly sought after keynote conference speaker, sales and marketing master, class presenter, sales coach, business advisor, and executive coach. Bruce, can you fly and walk through walls? <laughs> what, what I can I can walk on fire. <laughs> I used to teach people to work on hot burning coals. Oh, wow. We know there's a trick to that, but we'll, we'll dive in. So um, um, let's dive right in. I like your orientation. You have said that in your entire sales career, which spans decades, you've never sold anything. I like this. This is contrarian. This is provocative. This is counterintuitive. What in the hell? We, this is not a family show, so what in the bloody hell, as you Brits would say, do you mean by that? I had several part-time sales jobs when I was at school 
and when I was at secondary school. And nobody told me how to sell. I was selling suits, I was selling washing machines, I was selling refrigerators. Um, but the first thing I taught myself was people don't like to be sold to, but they do love to buy. So I just set out to make everything a great buying experience. And I've helped people do so many things, achieve so many things, buy so many things, um, but I've never actually sold to them. I've just explained everything to them. I've helped them solve their... I wrote a definition of sales about 20 years ago. I've never changed it. And my definition of selling is exposing companies and individuals to problems they maybe never knew they had or thought were insolvable and to opportunities they never knew existed and then showing them how your product or service can help solve the problem or exploit the opportunity and helping them to buy. And the helping them to buy is very easy because when you've solved all the problems and exposed, exposed all the opportunities, heck, all you got to say is, would you like to go ahead with my suggestions? So really for you, it's the process of educating them, to educate them in terms of what their problem is, how you've got the solution, and then showing them the way to move forward to find the solution which you link to your product, sale, or service. Is that a good, a good working explanation of what you do? Have I restated yep. it accurately? That, that's absolutely fine. And that applies to washing machines, vacuum cleaners, or highly technical products and services. Let me address sort of a controversial point. I've had many mentors and coaches say, and one coach I'm thinking of in particular who go unnamed, he's really helped me tremendously. He says, he said to me one day, look, Paul, I identify the pain points and then I identify myself as the person who has the answer to those pain points. So in your process of educating, how do you evoke, how do you elicit how do you get people to offer up their pain points? And particularly with something like a refrigerator, do you engage in that process with something like a refrigerator that's basically a commodity? Or you, do you understand where I'm driving here? Yes, I do. It's, it's no different to anything else, I don't think, Paul. Um, you, you ask people, I mean, I haven't sold a refrigerator for a long, long, long time probably about 40 years <laughs> but it's the same process it's what are they looking for what are the features that they really are looking for what are the problems they've had with previous refrigerators um what are they what should i be aware of that might cause them a concern and i've got all the answers mm -hmm. and when people still raise objections like uh, I need more time to think it over. How do you deal with, because I think your formula is the basic powerful formula for any kind of sales process. Do you have any techniques for dealing with objections or it, it sounds to me like you're totally against anything that even smells salesy. Am I getting my, yeah, that smells salesy or anything that's pushy. So 
what is your methodology given your framework for selling for people who have objections? Like, I need more time to think it over. Generally speaking, Paul, when somebody says something like that to me, it means I haven't explained something properly. So please tell me, what is it I've not made clear? That's very honest. That's very direct. That's very, I like that. That's very <laughs> helpful. It's a framework that continues to position you as someone who's being of help and service. And I want to dive into something else. Most important, I'm blaming myself for their concern, not blaming them for not getting it. Love it. You speak a lot on and you teach a lot on personal development related to sales. A lot of people don't see that link at all. So first of all, what do you mean by personal development and how does that tie in to sales? What do you mean by it? I suppose it's your attitude. Probably the simplest way to explain it. I think it was Einstein who said that um, success was 80% attitude and 20% skills. I think people need a lot more than 20% skills, but their attitude is everything. And could you unpack for us what, all right, that's, I get it, that's pretty broad. So let's drill down a little bit, get more specific. What specifically about attitude are you, are you on about here? You want to be successful, presumably. Most people in sales want to be successful in sales. You right. have to be successful, not want to be successful. I am successful. It is creating a framework in their mind that they are what they want to be already. And how do you deal with, uh, again, I, I, I don't want to appear argumentative or challenging, this is my genuine nature to question and to drill down when someone gives you an answer. If someone has a, a, a history of not having been good up until that moment at sales, and they're saying to themselves, I am good at sales, I am good at sales, but they have all these memories of, pardon my language, sucking at it, then how do they deal with that internal conflict between all those tens of thousands of times they told themselves I'm not good at it, or all those memories of flubbing it up and the new affirmations without creating that. I'm assuming they're affirmations. I don't know what your methodology is for getting in there. Do you understand what I'm getting at that? Of course I do. Of course. How do they? I would, your... I would say there's, there's two main things. There could be 101 other things because you never know what is linked to something else in somebody's mind, and you need to explore it. But two very basic things is, one, I would have somebody go back over their entire life and create a list. I don't care if they spend all day on it or just a couple of hours and write down everything that they can think of from the day they were born that they were successful at. I love that. I and love it's that. It's going to be a very long list. And anytime you don't feel successful, you read it. You've already proved it to yourself. Never mind about the other stuff that didn't go as well as you would hoped it would have gone. 
that's what you've achieved so far. And you probably haven't even thought of most of it. That's all you managed to write down. I and like this. I like this. And I'll tell you why I like it, Bruce. And I don't know how it is in the UK. You have O levels and A levels. I don't even know what that means. Here in the United States, I'm a child of the 60s. When we would get our test papers back, the only thing that was marked it was in red with a check mark. Those are the things you got wrong. So our orientation from the time where you're laughing, I don't know, is that a laugh of agreement? Is that how it works in, in the UK as well? It's not dissimilar and it's diabolical. What do you say it's diabolical? I think I get you. Why highlight the things that people have done wrong? I mean, it's like if you're having a discussion with a salesperson who works for you, as an example, but it could be anybody who works for you, the first thing you do is you praise them for something. You mention that they might like to improve on this particular skill, and maybe you need some help with that, and I'm happy to do whatever I can to help you with that. And you finish with another praise. So it's pray, you bracket whatever it is, praise, content, 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 praise. So you start with praise and you end with praise. How did you come up with this orientation? Because it's, it's a fairly unique orientation. When someone gives me a piece of gold, I want to know what was their process to coming to the realization. So if you bear with me just for a moment, was it something you got right away and like a flash of insight or was it based on a gradual process of discovery how did you come how did you come up with it well i haven't always been in sales before. i mean i started off in sales at school um, and these were saturday jobs weekend jobs but then i quit and i opened a business um, it was quite a large drugstore uh, you have corner stores in every corner in New York there's a I've forgotten their name now but you have a, a drugstore it sells all kinds of paraphernalia and pharmacies built in and I opened one of those right. in the UK but without the pharmacy <laughs> and we had a very big section selling vitamins minerals homeopathic medicines and I studied it and studied it so I could advise our customers what they should be taking. In other words, helping them to exploit opportunities to get better. And I got so interested in the whole field that I eventually put the shop under management and I went back to college and I studied nutrition and then I qualified as an acupuncturist. And then wow. I... And then I. So you're, excuse me, you're a healer as well. Yes. That should be in your biography. That's amazing. I think I mentioned it somewhere. The problem with that, I mean, I did actually open a clinic. The problem was that back in those days, it was called alternative medicine, not, uh -huh. not complementary medicine. Uh -huh. <laughs> I got to reframe. And it was kind of easier probably to make a living as a witch doctor than an alternative medical therapist, <laughs> which is why I went back into sales eventually. But I spent about five years working with 
personal development coaches, with all kinds of gurus, studying everything I could lay my hands on. I must have read 150, 200 books, listened to hundreds of programs. How many were a waste of time? How many? This is just a side note, but I I have, of all the gurus you studied, what percentage were really, really good with something unique? And how many were just regurgitating? what everyone else is doing. Oh, I mean, probably all of them regurgitate somebody else's stuff. I mean, I've written two books on personal development and they're all regurgitations of other people's stuff. Oh, that's uh, that's really being transparent and vulnerable. <laughs> but I've written it in a way that it makes sense. Too many people, too many smart people go out of their way to try and appear smart. Whoa, say that again. Too many smart people go out of their way to try to appear smart, as a result of which they confuse everybody. Guilty, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. (laughs) That's really, really sharp. So I'm sorry to interrupt your story. (laughs) So you're going along. At what point did you develop this framework of, oh, I get it. You're educating praise bracket bracket content content campaign praise. Tell me how you developed that. I'm sorry for interrupting. I think it was just an, a natural consequence of everything I'd learned and employing people. Right, right. Uh, I think one of the big, I personally don't have employees because I never wanted to deal with the hassle, but I could see getting people to enroll in your vision as an employer is probably one of the toughest sales you could possibly do. If you can do that, you could probably sell anything. You see, it's very interesting. I I wrote an article, only a very short one. I think it's going in my blog next week. And it was why every company, every business, whether they're a sole trader, um, needs a mission statement. Most people think of it as something that only really big businesses have, but everybody needs a mission statement, one for themselves, so they know what they stand for and what they achieve for people, but also because if they have a mission statement and they clearly explain it to their employees, their employees will gather around that mission and support it. What do you mean? What is your definition of a mission statement? How do Uh, you define it? A mission statement, it's what you stand for. It's your product or service, um, why you do it, why you love it, how you go out of your way to deliver it better than anybody else, and how you look after your customers. That's not necessarily good. One of the things I've learned, I want to share this with you to get your feedback, is how do you pair that mission statement with a marketing message that gets your, your ideal avatar, your ideal customer to come to you? Just as an example, Federal Express, very, very clever. They grew their business on one slogan. When you yeah. absolutely... You can say it with me. Positively, have to get it there overnight. Yep. So is there a method you have, and if not, that's fine, to take your mission statement and 
paired? Do you think it has to be, this is just, do you think it has to be paired with a marketing meme? Or can it just stand on totally different things, Paul. Help me, help me understand. Help me understand that. Well, if I, for example, if I was to publish my mission statement, and I need to rewrite it because I've totally changed direction recently. Um, it's something I'd possibly put on my website. It's something I'd put on the back of my business card. Um, people buy business cards, you know, and they've got two sides and most people leave the back side blank. But they pay for two sides. Hmm. Okay. I, I put it on the back of the... That's totally different. That's, a, that's not, a, not necessarily an advertisement. That is just explaining who you are, where you come from, and what you're aiming to achieve for your customers. That's totally different from an advert. <laughs> Got it. For example, how to double your sales in three to six weeks or less. That would, that be would be an, an advert. advert. That that's, would be an advert for me. That's an advert. Yeah. yeah. My, my book was titled Psycho Selling, How to Double Your Income from Sales in Eight Weeks. Psycho. That has, a, that has multiple connotations. Like you're selling to crazy people. Was that intentional on your part? Uh, I was aware of it. And I thought, well, nevertheless, it's still catchy. You know, visions of Alfred Hitchcock may be. But it's about selling. Right. Well, let's, face it, let's face it, you've got to be crazy to be in sales anyway. You certainly have to be able to deal with ambiguity and uncertainty and a lot of ups and downs. It's, it can be uh, a chaotic process. Even though you have a process, there's just going to be things that are... At, would you agree with this statement? That there are things, no matter how good your sales process is, no matter how well you identify your market, how well you can get rapport, and there's just going to be factors out of your control. Would you agree with that? Uh, totally. I mean, one of the things that I explain to salespeople when I'm coaching them is that we don't get paid to sell. Because any fool, any fool can take a yes. We get paid to handle the nose and keep going. I love that. Any fool. This is a quote for my producer to put in the liner notes. Any fool can handle a yes or take a yes. I, I really, we we don't get paid for the yeses. We get paid for the nose. <laughs> I love that. We don't get paid for the, that's a gold nugget. That's a, Mic drop, you just did. We don't get paid for the yeses. We get paid for the noes. Well, that's really, really good. So let's just dive in here. I like to go with what's flowing rather than the stated questions. For me, it's a lot more fun. Do you have one or two top strategies for dealing with them, both internally, how you handle it, or maybe externally, how you deal with it with the potential prospect or client? Well, as far as a prospect or client is concerned, is why do you say that? <laughs> right. But how about personally? Because we have to handle no. Even worse, we have to handle ambiguity and uncertainty. But all right, how 
do you teach your clients? And you've been doing this a long time, tens of thousands of people. Do you have a top method or two methods for handling hearing no? And when they, uh, how, how do you teach people to handle it psychologically and not take it personally? What I explain to people, I mean, it's different depending upon the circumstances, but one of the things that I, I make very clear to people is that when you are approaching somebody with the intention of selling to them, your intention should not be only to sell. It should be, in the first place, identifying if they are even a prospect. Mm. It should be identifying if they are ready to buy or when they might like to buy in the future. If they would like to be kept in touch with your latest news on your products or services. Um, if they have any referrals. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's so many fallback positions. If you've got enough fallback positions in your mind, if somebody says no, and I don't ever want to see you again, that's a great outcome. Cross them off your list. Move on. I think that makes sense in getting dates, too. <laughs> you know, cross them off the list. <laughs> That's wonderful, wonderful. I see how that ties into personal development, because you cannot go through life living your best possible life if you're not selective, if you don't know how to walk away from situations that are not going to be optimized for for you so i can see i can tie that back to your orientation towards personal development you can put it you can put an engine in a car you can give a car a gps but if the engine is broken or the axle is broken the car is not going to go anywhere so i could see from your perspective how all these techniques of how to sell and that's a gps but if the car ain't running if you ain't if you don't have the basic did i just say ain't oh Pardon me, mom in heaven, you taught me not to use those words. If you cannot, or if the car is not running properly, if you don't have that engine of personal development and self-confidence, the car is not going to go anywhere. You can teach the techniques, but if the person isn't aligned, you're not going to go anywhere. Uh, even worse, if they can't drive. <laughs> you're a funny dude. <laughs> So I like to deal with what's right in front of me. You've got a great sense of humor. You've made me laugh multiple times in this discussion. I even like to call it an interview. Have you found that a sense of humor helps with the sales process? And are there any dangers with it? A sense of humor most definitely helps, but that doesn't extend to telling people jokes. Can you unpack the difference? I know what you mean, but my audience may not. I'm assuming my audience is intelligent. Well, but well, telling, a, telling a joke is, have you heard the one about the Irishman and the Scotsman and the Jew or something? I know. I want to hear it. Let's go. What is that? I know. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> we draw the limit here at racialism. <laughs> we don't do that. Wow. What else would you like? You, you have so much wisdom here. It's... It, I have to sit with, do I, maybe we can invite you back because you have so much to offer and, and we have just so little time. We're coming close to the end of 
of our wisdom together. Let me just look again and check out if there's one or two more questions. As you can see, I tend to take, based on what my interviewee gives me, I'll turn in that direction because it's what really interests me. So I warned you, it's not the, this is not going to be conventional. Um, what is the least expensive, maybe even completely free way to get new customers or clients? I think I know what the answer is, but you give us your answer. Referrals. Referrals. Or, or referrals, always. I remember many years ago in my first full-time sales job, um, my sales manager was Bernie Rackman. And Bernie frequently reminded us that we have to ask for referrals. And it took me about two and a half months to make my first sale. And I was so excited. And I got into the office at eight o'clock sharp in the morning because I knew that's when Bernie would arrive. And I knocked on his office door and I walked in and I placed the application on his desk. And I said, there you are, there you are, Bernie, my first one. And he looked down at it and he put his glasses on the end of his nose and he looked up at me and he said, very good, Bruce. And how many referrals did you get? And I blushed and said, damn it, Bernie, I forgot to ask. He said, well, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to keep this application on my desk. And when you have gone back and asked for and got three referrals, I will then put this through to head office. Well, that well, he gave you a little bit of a spanking, didn't he? <laughs> he sure so, did. So inform us right as we're drawing to a closer, because I agree, referrals are huge. What are your what is your favorite way or ways to to ask for the referral in a way where it doesn't seem needy on your part? How do you what is your favorite technique for asking? You can say, and please, you can say just ask, but that's not unpacking it enough to give us useful wording or, or you oh. do you understand what I'm saying? Of course I do. Paul, I like to spend my time looking after my customers, not looking for them. That's a benefit for you, okay? That is a benefit for you. I'm going to look after you. So would you mind very much if we just took a few more minutes to brainstorm who else you know who might be and I'll discuss the major problem I solve. That's really Who springs to mind, please? Please, um, that very important word, please. I said, would you mind very much if we take a few minutes to brainstorm? Lots of people will mind, but hardly anybody minds very much. That's really clever. That's really clever. That, that little adverb or adjective very much or adverb modifies uh adjective so it's an adverb that little adverb my book is called subtle words itself and we talk about the difference between the right word and the wrong word mark twain said the right the difference between the right word and the wrong word is the difference between the lightning and the lightning bug so i really get i love that i like to look out i look to like to look out for my customers, customers 
How did you phrase it? I like, I to, like look to look after my customers. Right, I'm look after my customers, not looking for them. That's really good. That's another gold nugget you dropped. How'd you figure that one out? That's really, really, that's excellent. Speaking to you as someone who's a master of linguistics, that's excellent, sir. Excellent. Equally as important, Paul, is when to ask for referrals. Because most people think it's when you ask for referrals after you've made a sale, after the product or service has been delivered, and after you've got a happy customer. There are so many other occasions when you phone up and make an appointment. You can, even if you've never met this person before, you say, well, that's great. I really look forward to speaking to you. Just one thing before you go, you're going to find out that I really like to spend my time looking after my customers, not looking for them. So I'd really appreciate your help, please. Would you mind if we just took another couple of minutes to brainstorm who else in your neighborhood, in your building, may also be experiencing similar challenges um, because I'd love an introduction, please. And if, you, and if you don't make an appointment, you still ask for referrals. I'm really grateful that you didn't waste my time because I like to spend it looking after my customers, not looking for them. So just one thing before we hang up, and you ask for referrals. And if you don't make a sale, you ask for referrals. You get a pre-sale referral. How to get pre-sale referrals. I don't know if that should be the title of the episode. This is Bruce. This has been brilliant. Thank you for your time. I would like to ask, I'm sure the audience is fascinated by this. You've dropped two or three value bombs, I would have to call them. It's been fantastic. How can... Uh, the audience stay in the conversation with you? Do you have something to offer them or where can they find out more or a free gift? And we'll put it in the liner notes as well as show notes. Well, th they can pick up a copy of my first best-selling book um, for free on my website, um, The Psycho Selling Book. <laughs> that was published by, B by BBC Books and it's not in my opinion, it's not my best book, but it sold more than any other book I've ever written. It's been published in nine languages and in about 20 countries. And I still get emails from people almost every day saying, just read Psycho Selling, it's brilliant, I love it. And I think the reason they love it is because I wrote it when I was full-time in the field selling. And I think that comes across. But they so, can pick up a free copy of that on my website, bruceking.co.uk. And by doing so, they'll also be subscribed to my newsletter, which means once a week, they'll get another golden nugget. <laughs> <laughs> You're using my terminology, but they're golden nuggets. You threw diamonds at us today. Bruce King, thank you for being on The Influencer's Edge. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Paul. The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411321. That's COMPEL to 411321 
And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Thank you for tuning in to the Influencer's Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools, and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack at sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. We look forward to seeing you again on the Influencer's Edge Show.